everybody, Sean Sewell here from the Gearman.com podcast. Um, I'm super excited to have my good friend Pat Flynn back on. It is Friday. It's the weekend before Father's Day, and we're just riffing and having a good time and talking about what we're doing and uh, weather is getting nicer and, and we're taking workouts outside and we have some fun stories to share with you. So, Pat, thank you for being on the show, as always. Yeah, always looking forward to it, Sean. This is a fun, fun way to start my weekend. I love these conversations. Well, I appreciate that very much. Um, so, uh, speaking of Father's Day, you're a father. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, any Father's Day plans coming up? Uh, actually, my wife's father is coming to visit us for the weekend. So oh, that'll be nice. He's yeah. in, he, he lives in North Carolina, but works out of Chicago. So he stays in Chicago most of the time. So we're about an hour and a half north, and it just, it's worked out well that he's going he's gonna to be here in just a couple hours, actually. So, oh, wow. Yeah, nothing formal. Just, um, <clears throat> you know, we'll just spend some time together as a family, you know, cook That's some good food, hang out outside because it's beautiful, and that'll probably be about it. That sounds ideal. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, and I'm sure my wife has a huge surprise for me cooked up. I just, I can't wait. <laughs> I found my surprise. Um, it's pretty funny. Uh, we don't do much gifts. You know, I get enough gear for free from everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always something very thoughtful and something you usually off of Etsy. And it's a, it's a mug from our dogs, my dog father. And it says, thanks for picking up all our crap. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah, so we have, we have a St. Bernard. Mm-hmm. Um, which means a lot of crap. A lot of crap. Um, but it's actually my wife who picks up most of the crap. So I, I would not be deserving of such a mug. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's mm-hmm. hilarious. Well, um, we we have two dogs, about 60 pounds each. And um, as a good steward of the environment, I do my best to do both their duties in one bag. Every time mm-hmm. I go out, I'm like really efficient. I think it was like poop dough, like Play-Doh. Yeah. Like, yeah. So kind of grotesque, but <laughs> do my part to save the environment one but, turn but at we time. All, that's right. We all play our part. That's that's very noble, Sean. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, uh, I love these dogs so much. Um, we were joking before we push record. Um, the Turkish getup, great exercise, one that probably everybody should be doing more often for a lot of reasons, mechanics and connecting things together. I finally found a real life use for it. Um, I was camping in this blizzard last Monday, and I'll put a picture in the in the video. And we have a roof nest tent on top of our truck, and it's handled all kinds of storms and done very well in wind and rain and even light snow. We got about six inches of snow on top of it, so easily 100 plus pounds. That thing mm-hmm. collapsed on us, luckily at an angle. So um, we're eight and a half feet up off the ground on the forerunner, and I had to do like a you know a Turkish get up and grab two dogs, sixty pounds each. Yikes! At like two, one a.m. or one thirty in the morning. So yeah, uh, do your Turkish get ups; they pay off. Yeah, a real world uh, functional application of the get up. Yeah. Um, anybody who follows me will know that I'm I'm quite a fan of Turkish get ups. I program them sometimes a little bit differently than other people. I don't always use them for just absolute sheer load i think they're awesome uh for just like you said kind of knitting everything together mm-hmm. as as a mobility exercise as a warm-up exercise uh certainly a solid strength move just mm-hmm. learning to just get up and off the ground with a good amount of weight overhead is going to make you overall strong it's gonna it's just going to make you useful in a lot of ways um, but underrated also i found as a conditioning exercise doing lighter get-ups consecutively Mm-hmm. Um, either by themselves or part of a complex. So the getup to me is actually itself a, a multifaceted tool. Uh, and I think it's often underutilized. Sometimes people might use it 
again, for strength, which is totally legitimate. I think there's kind of diminishing returns once you start doing get-ups with, you know, a baby elephant. I don't know how far you want to go with it. <laughs> yeah. um, and then think, okay, well, what else, what else could I use this for? And so if people follow my programming, they'll see I use it. I do use it for strength, but also a lot in the warm-ups, a lot in the mobility and corrective work, and, and a fair amount in the conditioning as well. Absolutely. You know, actually, I was reading one of your articles. They're always great articles about morning routines. And thanks to you, I implement probably 10 on each side each morning with no weight or maybe a shoe or maybe a 10 kilo, nothing special, but just something mm-hmm. to get, get everything woken up before I go and onto the day. Right. One, one thing um, that I've been having fun with and that uh, I talked with Alex about recently is alternating between either get ups and hanging or crawling and hanging. So if you just want a oh, basic yeah. movement routine, either as a warm up or something to do first thing in the morning, consider that you can do it. You know, they call them naked get-ups where you don't have any weight. You can try mm-hmm. balancing something if you just want to work on alignment. Because the get-up really is about alignment, right? We're trying to manage some type of load primarily through the stanchion of our skeleton, through the structure of our bony alignment. Um, so there's there's muscle recruitment involved as well, but there is just pure structural support yep. and making sure you're getting that alignment on point. So balancing something can be very helpful. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's uh, Dan John recommends like a small little Dixie cup of water. So if it falls over, <laughs> you, yeah. uh-huh, no, but nobody gets hurt. Uh, the traditional thing is to try and balance a shoe on your front yeah. two knuckles. So all that's great. Right. And you're learning a skill, the skill of being able to get up and off the ground. And you can take that itself even further of, of see, here's kind of a fun test for people. See how few limbs you can use to get up and off the ground. That's an, that's a, that's a fun little test. I like um, that. Do you need all four limbs to get up and off the ground? If so, okay, all right. It might, might be some things we want to work on. Mm-hmm. Three limbs, better. Two limbs, okay, cool. You know, definitely doing well. Can you do it with one limb? Which essentially means you're somehow like pistol squatting up and <laughs> yeah. off the ground, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really good takeaway. Um, mm-hmm. And as a, as a fitness professional, when I work with older people, and if I get up using just my legs, they're always baffled. They're like, you can do that? And yeah. so we work on the trunk stability and stuff. And that's it's a mm-hmm. good carrot for them too. Um, you should be able to get up off the ground safely. That's a goal for a lot of people. 100%. Yeah. And does everybody have to be able to do it with one limb? No. But if you can do it with one limb, you probably got a lot of, you probably got a lot of ducks in the row. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mobility wise, strength wise, that's, that's, that's indicative probably of some, some good things. It's also just kind of a neat party trick to throw out every now and then. Oh, it is. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pistol squats and your handstands and stuff like the handstand pushups that uh, mm-hmm. usually is captivating for people. Yeah. But, but we know just statistically that being able to get up and off the ground is, is important. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for, you know, client, if we, if you're working with clients, aging clients, it's a skill that you definitely want to build in and Turkish getups are a good tool uh, to help with that. Um, so yeah, you can, you can use it as a daily warm up, And then if you pair it with some hanging, I think that's yeah. an awesome combination and some crawling. Again, it doesn't have to have a lot of load. It doesn't have to have any load. And you're going to you're gonna you're gonna be stabilizing in the in the in the areas you want to stabilize. You're gonna be mobilizing in the areas you want to mobilize. So it's one of those movements where you're gonna get a lot of juice out of a relatively small squeeze. So do do get ups, yes. Mm-hmm. And then if you're caught in a blizzard and the tent starts coming down, boom. Yeah. <laughs> Good to go. <laughs> boom. Yeah. yeah. That's so true. You know, this actually brought up a really good uh, question I had from a client. Um, what are your top five fitness goals for most people? 
Sure. So if we're thinking about general physical preparedness, I like to break it down. I don't, you don't have to break it down this way, but I, I often like to break it down this way into kind of like categories of physical preparedness or athletic qualities. Mm-hmm. So when I'm programming, I often think of, okay, what are the kind of like the big ticket items we want to make sure that we're focusing on? Uh, again, for somebody who wants to be a generalist, not necessarily a specialist, but even with specialists, I say we should have at least some degree of all of these, even if we have our, our primary uh, focus. And it would be things like strength would be one category, right? And that's just the ability uh, to overcome resistance, I think is the easiest way to think about strength. Um, and oftentimes that's measured in terms of like absolute intensity or load, the most amount of weight that I can move for one rep at any particular movement. Of course, there's other ways of measuring strength, but that's, that's, that's one way. Um, hypertrophy, making sure we have some degree of lean muscle mass. Um, again, that, that plays into strength. That's helpful for strength. Uh, but it's also important for overall health and longevity as well. We know that preserving lean muscle tissue is really important for, for long-term health. Um, and for strength, it can be a limiting factor. So when we're thinking about strength, there's kind of two ways that I like to think about it. One is, I think the analogy that's helpful, I forget where I originally got this, it might have been, might have been Dan John, I get a lot of things from Dan John, um, is to kind of think of your body as a factory, and strength is an output. Uh, there's kind of two ways to increase output. One is you can increase the efficiency of the manager, which is your central nervous system, you know, learning to tense harder, practicing the efficiency at certain movements, uh, but you could also just build a bigger factory, which is putting on more muscle. I like that. Uh, and, and, you know, at, at some point you can really increase efficiency, uh, but you just need a bigger factory at some point. So, and you're always going to get some blend of each, but depending on how you program, you can focus more on the manager side or the general size of the, the factory. Um, so yeah, strength, hypertrophy, I think two important categories that we want to focus on. Um, also, uh, conditioning. Right. And this would be the kind of broad spectrum of conditioning. You know, we have the kind of the short, intense conditioning efforts and we have the longer, more extended conditioning efforts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like to include the entire spectrum there. I think there's, there's benefits to be had throughout uh, the entire conditioning or intensity spectrum. Uh, and what's, what are examples of that? Well, sprinting on one end, walking on the other, people want. Examples. This kind of idea. And then jogging would be kind of in the middle for the conditioning. And then uh, mobility and movement, movement therapy or movement practice, right? Making sure that we maintain healthy range of motion through our joints, that we have access through range of motion and strength and stability of range of motion. Um, and I would, you know, I would put flexibility maybe under that umbrella too, but there is kind of a difference between mobility and flexibility. For me, mobility is control and strength through normal healthy range of motion. Flexibility is simply access to various ranges of motion, which may extend beyond normal range of motion That's for most put. people. Yeah. Um, so there are distinctions there. Flexibility work, I'm still a fan of, but it's not the same thing as, as mobility work. Mm-hmm. So those, those are kind of like the broad strokes that I like to focus on for most people. So we have strength, conditioning, hypertrophy, mobility, flexibility, uh, you know, general movement practice, things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I like that a lot. That's, mm-hmm. that's a very good answer. And that's actually from a client of mine asked me to ask you that this week. So, yeah, I'm yeah. happy to. <laughs> it's important because, yeah, there's a lot to health, wellness, and fitness. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there's like a blanket. You should be able to do two times your body weight for deadlift or whatever. People are looking for a definitive thing because, it's you know, everybody's a little bit different with their abilities. Yeah, it's relative and it's not. Like, I think everybody should be strong and sufficiently muscled but Mm -hmm. how they're strong and how much muscle like so 
yeah, absolutely everybody should strive to be strong and sufficiently muscled. Mm-hmm. But what that looks like will be somewhat relative according to the individual. Absolutely. So, so yeah, there's kind of a, a, an, an, I am willing to make that absolute commitment, but then the specifics and the details will depend on who the person is, how old they are, how, how long they've been in the game, all yes. that sort of stuff, right? That, that's imperative. Like, for example, this person asking this question is a 24-year-old, very healthy male. Um, he wanted to be a Navy SEAL. He's, you know, he loves goals and he's very, he's making great progress. Even during this pandemic for, for virtual training, he's doing fantastic. Whereas another person I might train would be, 60 and their goals might be to be able to get up and off the ground safely, you know? Right. Yeah. So, so I've worked with seals. I've worked with Marsoc. I used to be brought down to Camp Lejeune uh, to train the guys down there. Um, And special forces operators, you know, they're, they're, they need to be good generalists. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason that me and a couple other dudes were contracted to go down there and work with these guys is because they were killing themselves with specialization. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And like, that's easy for them to do because anybody who's, who's worked with special forces or is like, I don't think it'd be any surprise to realize that these guys are often a very type A mindset. They're very hard workers, right? Like commitment and hard work isn't a difficult thing for them. So it's easy for them to just go all in Mm -hmm. on fitness and like, hey, that's that's probably an important mindset for that type of job. So you almost have to kind of like fight against their natural impulse and say, hey, Mm -hmm. we actually need to to maybe not go crazy on the fitness routine because – we need you to be. We need you to be able to do your job, and you guys are getting. You're hurting. You're hurting yourselves. And like we know that you can. And we had to have the, these conversations. I'm like, we know you guys can can handle pain. Like mm-hmm. nobody's questioning that, right? You're you're tough dudes, but just because you can doesn't mean you should be, right? right. Mm-hmm. At least in this circumstance. Um, and working with them was always a joy because they're they're just so focused. Um, mm-hmm. They're so easy to work with. They follow instructions so well. And it's like, they're like ideal clients, right? When you yeah. work with people in the military, they really are. Uh, so yeah, a lot of our work was focused on let's get away from this kind of hardcore, very specialized, often overly competitive exercise routines that are that are kind of running you guys down. Mm-hmm. And let's, let's, let's generalize it. So uh, yeah, a lot of what I just said is what I would apply to, to military special forces types of people. Yeah. It's, it's spot on. Um, to, mm-hmm. to add to your point, Pat, um, well, my good friends, Eric Frohart, retired Navy SEAL team five dev group. He was a CEO for strong first. And that's how I got involved with strong first. And, um, he's on the podcast about a month ago. And I asked him like, what brought him into the seals in the first place? And it basically was like a dare. <laughs> and he jumped into right. it, went from an Iowa hog farm to the seals had never been in a helicopter plane. And here he is jumping out of them now. And um, how did he train for it? Well, like every, most every person, the young male overtraining bodybuilding programs, right? Mm-hmm. And they got turned on to the kettlebell and safe training and, you know, look at him now. So you're right. They're very competitive, very driven, um, and they take coaching very well. well. Yes, that is, that is absolutely true. Um, some of the best people to work with. Um, but yeah, I mean, so um, we could, we could sketch out like a sample um, program of something like this, if that would be of interest yes. or help. Oh, um, that'll blow some minds. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to be highly original because I just did this for my own podcast. I don't know if you caught that episode, but I was chatting yeah. with Sam and Alex and we called it the, the cross gainer program. That's Alex's pun. <laughs> um, and we were kind of jamming on a, on a similar question where somebody was asking, um, uh, this is one that we get a lot is, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, best incorporate multiple modalities in training. So say you want to say, say you have kettlebells and barbells and TRX and pull up bars. 
And um, a lot of our conversation focused on discerning what the kind of killer app or killer function of each of these modalities would be. So mm-hmm. I think it should be no surprise for people to, to understand that the, the barbell is probably going to be the best tool for overall lower body strength. It's, it's really hard to beat a barbell, especially for something like deadlifting. Oh, yeah, yeah you, you can deadlift kettlebells, but let's be honest, even two of the heaviest kettlebells are not really all that impressive of a heavy deadlift no i'll get my two beasts uh, over there and like that's not enough for deadlift. yeah it's not it's just not um yeah. you know granted that you know people come at different ability levels but you're gonna if you're a serious deadlifter you're gonna outgrow that pretty quickly mm-hmm. now the benefit it with kettlebells you can train the other end of the force velocity spectrum so you do the swings and the ballistics and that's an awesome compliment for the barbell so um so yeah so like if you really want the sort of grinding lower body strength especially for the hinging patterns barbell is going to be pretty awesome you can get you don't get me wrong you can get a ton of mileage out of the kettlebells especially for the ballistic hinges and the front squats Mm -hmm. especially awesome kettlebells are going to be a great tool for that Uh, but if we're talking killer apps barbell for lower body is definitely somewhere you want to you want to focus on on programming that kettlebells I've, as i've consistently held are like the swiss army knife of functional fitness they can do mm-hmm. a ton of things really well they can get most people most of what they want most of the time from a general fitness standpoint um, but their killer app for me is conditioning metabolic conditioning complexes uh really good for mobility too underutilized oh, there sure. yeah That's yeah yeah hundred percent, right? So killer apps or kettlebells, I would say, are conditioning and mobility. Yes, can be used for strength. Yes, can be used for hypertrophy. But if we're talking about like, what is it, where does it really shine and sparkle? I think it's in those two areas. Um, the rings, if you're doing some body weight stuff, are great for the upper body strength work, the gymnastic mm-hmm. style movement. Um, you know, and then body weight exercise, I think, is awesome also for mobility and, and conditioning as, as well. So the kind of program we sketched out, and if anybody wants a PDF of this, you can just you can just email me because we're we're kind of giving it away. But I'll I'll give the highlights here if that's uh, if that's cool with you, Sean. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, this is a creation of Sam, Alex, and me for people who have access to mixed modalities but want just a kind of a general approach uh, to physical preparedness. So we had on the first day, just called day one, we have a kind of a heavy deadlift ladder, and you'll just go five, four, three, two, one. Uh, and you'll run that sequence twice and just go heavy with it. You know, you, what is heavy somewhere, maybe within two to three rep max of each of those rep ranges. So if you're doing five reps, you know, probably within your seven to eight rep max. And then, you know, by the time you're down to the one rep somewhere within your two to three rep max, you don't have to go full one rep max. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, uh, that's probably not necessary for this. Um, run that sequence twice and then finish up with like 10 to 15 minutes of pull-up practice. And I, I like the term practice with pull-ups. I think it's very useful. You just put some amount of time on the clock and you just practice hitting reps. If you're already good at pull-ups, then do weighted pull-ups. Do somewhere between at a time with, a, with, a, with some weight you know, attached to your waist. Or I prefer, for pull-ups, I prefer the weight attached to your waist rather than a vest because the vest can sometimes distort the mechanics. Oh, that's good. That's um, good tip. Yeah. Uh, so just, you know, hit the deadlift ladder, then do some pull-up practice. I think that's a, a solid combo. That's day one. Day two, we'll do conditioning, and that's where we'll bring in uh, conditioning and some hypertrophy. And that's where we'll bring in the kettlebells. We'll do kind of an, uh, a higher rep complex. So the one I gave, if I remember the details right, this it might be different in the PDF, but it'll be, it'll be close enough. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll, you'll do eight reps of the following exercises. You'll go double clean. You'll go double press double push press, 
uh, front squat, bent over row, and then push-ups. So that's six reps, eight reps of each. That's going to be pretty. That's going to be pretty nasty. You're going to feel yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're going to feel that. That's going to jack the heart rate up. You're going to get a good. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a good pump, especially the presses to the push presses. Yes. So you're going to get the metabolic effect. You're going to get a hypertrophy effect. Um, do that for let's say 20 minutes, as many rounds as you can get. You know, men probably around like 216 to 220 kilogram kettlebells. Women maybe around like two eight kilogram kettlebells or something like that, and then immediately when that's done, go for a thirty to sixty minute low intensity effort. So this could be a brisk walk. You could go rucking, hiking, something that's 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 you know you're moving, but at a at a you could maintain a conversation. So that's that's a day where we're kind of training on the extremes. We're like on really high intensity with the complex and then extended low level intensity with the walking. So that would be day two. Day three was Alex's contribution. This would be the the crawling, hanging, get ups. Pretty much what we talked about at yep. the start of this podcast. So you can you can have fun with that. It doesn't need to be anything formal. Maybe you put ten to twenty minutes on the clock. You could crawl for some moderate amount of effort. Again, I don't care about the specifics too much. You're just going to crawl until you mm-hmm. feel like you need a break. Then you're going to go hang until you feel like you need a break. Then maybe do a get up or two. Then crawl until you feel like you need a break. Hang, you know, and just repeat that for 20 minutes. So this should feel good. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be crushing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably break like a little bit of a sweat, but but it's mostly about movement mobility uh, and just you know kind of restoration work. So that's day three. Day four, if my memory serves me right, we're back to deadlifts and we will do um, on a little bit lighter, a little bit more volume. So we'll do three to four sets of eight reps, deficit deadlifts. So stand on a platform, you'll focus on range of motion mm-hmm. um, and you want to you wanna be speedy with these. So if you're not doing a ton of weight, definitely focus on the speed. And so three to four sets of around eight reps, maybe some using somewhere between your like 12 to 15 rep max. So nothing too crazy heavy, focusing mm-hmm. on technique, range of motion, and speed. And then follow that up with some pull-up practice. If you weighted pull-ups on day one, then just do like three to four sets of max reps at body weight on this day. Gotcha. And just, and just push the reps there. If you can't do pull-ups, um, bent over rows or something like that is fine. Or you could do flexed arm hangs or negatives or some type I'm glad of progression. You that because I was going to ask you, if a person can't do a, a good tactical or chin-up, would you recommend a certain duration of time for a, 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 a hang? I would. So a couple, I'll throw a couple different options out there and people can decide which might work best for them. You could do flexed arm hangs, you know, mm-hmm. chin-ups or pull-ups and, you know, supinated versus pronated is the difference there. So just think of, think of it like this, pull-ups, or palms facing out, chin-ups or palms facing toward you. Um, so yeah, you could do a certain amount of hang there, um, you know, 10, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, where it feels good. And then try and focus on lowering yourself, you know, under control, getting that quality eccentric. If you feel kind of good with that, you know, you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting pretty solid at that, then start incorporating partial reps. Lower, your, lower yourself a little bit, then pull back up. And then over time, try and increase that range of motion. So one of the best pull-up progressions um, to, to incorporate, and I'm not saying like assistance work isn't useful at all, bands, machines, all that can be useful, but it can also be a hindrance if you don't do it right. But as quickly as you can start registering your own body weight, the better. Yeah. And what you want to focus on is, yeah, the statics and the isometric. So the statics and the isometrics, uh, the partial reps and the negative reps, some infusion of all of those. Again, specifics will vary for individuals depending where you're weak and where you're at. But if you start incorporating that, you'll, you'll get your first pull-up 
yeah you know reasonably soon this, this yeah. is super super helpful it's spot on too because the person i'm training today we're doing heavy deadlifts and we're doing the pull-ups well i've always loved deadlift and pull up and as yeah. people need it too because we're like here we are sitting over like vultures over a microphone <laughs> yeah, yeah i know so the deadlifts and the pull-ups and you know you could yeah. add some bent over rows if you wanted to i'm trying to keep this pretty minimalist but um yeah so this is like minimalist gpp program okay um after that let's do another complex uh, we'll go heavier with the complex. We'll we'll throw in. So what are we? Is this day five now, Sean? Oh, day I think five, it's yeah. day yeah, mm-hmm. day five. Let's throw Dan John's armor building in there. Um, so that's that's um, two double cleans, one double military press, and three front squats. And since the the reps are lower, you want to go heavier with this. And I typically recommend somewhere between your one to three rep pressing max because the press should be the limiter on this mm-hmm. if you can press more than you can squat we've got it we've got we've got a whole nother issue right yeah, <laughs> which exactly. is sometimes which is sometimes the case but let's just assume normal circumstance press is the limiter so somewhere between your one to three rep pressing max run that on repeat for 20 minutes again just accumulation as many good rounds as you can get rest as long as you need between sets to feel like you can have a good effort you know for your next set um maybe upwards to even 30 minutes if you're resting for a fair amount of time between sets. And then again, follow that up with another 30 to 60 minute low intensity thing. Uh, Walk, rock, hike, you go outside and garden. I don't care. Just so long as you're you're moving. Throw the Frisbee, play some basketball. Who cares? Have some fun with it, right? Just the idea is just kind of switch the intensity to something um, more prolonged, but not as as intense. Okay, then finally, we're back to the crawling and hanging day again. So the, right. then day six would be, yep, you know, crawling, hanging, get-ups. Uh, just put some time on the clock, 10, 20, maybe 30 minutes if you're feeling good, and just alternate between that. Mix up crawling variations, crawl forward, backwards, side to side, crawl with mm-hmm. your butt high, crawl with your butt low, crab crawl, whatever kind of crawls you want. Just get on the ground and move around. Uh, once you feel like, okay, I'm um, I'm good there. Go hang for a bit of time. Just you know, try and get some some good extension in the shoulders, strengthen those passive structures. Then maybe go hit a get up or two, and just and just repeat that uh, movement matrix. You know, according to your tastes, if you will. Nothing too rigid there. And then uh, on the last day, uh, uh, just you can go for. I, I always recommend doing something like never just like lays on the couch. So oh, go sure. for a walk. Uh, maybe do some more crawling, um, or what I like is having kind of variety and practice days too. So maybe you're, there's a skill you're interested in, like handstands. Go out and practice some handstands, right? Yeah. But just don't just don't do anything like crushing on that yeah. day. Keep it keep it keep it light, but try and do some type of active recovery. And there you have the broad strokes of it. What I would say is a decent minimalist general physical preparedness plan. I think it's more than decent. I'm going to start doing this. <laughs> this is great. I mean, and hopefully it's exciting too. I think it's kind it of cool, is. right? Mm-hmm. It's really good. I like that it touches on different kind of um, modalities, and you you get to do some heavy stuff. You get to do mobility. I'm going to jump on the crawling, hanging, and TGUs today. Get my recovery. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of pent up from doing some heavy kettlebell stuff yesterday. So this is right. good. Yeah, this is yeah, fantastic. And, and there's room in there that you could add some, you know. Uh, specificity to anything you're interested in so if you know say you're say you're interested in splits okay we'll put in five minutes of practicing the splits before every section or Mm -hmm. session um it's minimalist enough that if you have something else you could probably i want to say probably but not absolutely add that something else without spoiling the entire program now of course i'm always hesitant 
to to offer that as a possibility because then people start adding, 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 and then taking away, and then before you know it, it's not even doesn't even resemble its original self. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with those qualifications being said, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's really good advice, and it's kind of funny. I'm sure you encounter this a lot when people ask for advice for myself, and I give it to them, and then they start tweaking it a lot. Mm. I'm like, well, what the hell? You know, I, I gave you something really well thought out for your benefit. Yeah, and then they're like, well, your program didn't work. What well, was my program? Yeah, you took it right. You, you kept you kept one exercise. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. You know, some, and that's, that's a judgment call with the type of people you're working with, um, mm -hmm. obviously. Now, in general, I often say, don't mess with it, because I don't know who I'm talking to on a podcast. So right. if I don't know you, you don't get to mess with it. No. Just, do, just do the damn program. Yeah. If I do know you, and I know you're reasonable and responsible and can think things through, I might give you a little bit of leeway, mm -hmm. um, maybe sometimes. But there's other people that they just, they just need that strict. They do those strict and hard boundaries mm -hmm. and yeah. And then you just pay no attention to, to, to the, what about, so what if, or what about this? No, no, just here it is. Mm -hmm. Do it for prove to me. You can do this for three months as is. And then we can talk after that. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Especially if they have the, the right tools. I know right now it's a very unique time where people, I mean, here in Denver alone, like, People can't get the tools. There was like four day window where I got notified from my affiliate rep fitness for kettlebells are in stock, dumbbells are in stock, T-Rex is in stock. I sent out links to everybody and I ordered a thousand dollars worth of stuff for my clients. And then I went and delivered it like uh, fitness Santa that next week. Fitness <laughs> Santa. <laughs> and um, yeah, I want to make sure everybody has the tools at home. And you know, unfortunately some people can't have the tools at home right now. So we have to get a little bit creative, but. Right, right. So uh, what would be the limitation? Probably barbells. A lot of people might yeah. not have barbell at home. Uh, fair enough. Do do some double swings in there. Mm -hmm. Just swap in double swings in the meantime. So it's, 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 it's tweakable in, in a quarantine sense, I suppose. I like that. And yeah. I, I like to use a lot of doubles. I, I'm used to doing a lot of singles coming from the SFG stuff, but doubles are where it's at too. I mean, it's nice to get the heavier load. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a both and for me. I mean, singles yeah. have, um, you know, so it's, it's not absolute, but generally, you know, single kettlebell complexes, you're going to be able to produce more of a kind of endurance benefit mm -hmm. from that. Um, but doubles, you're going to get more of a generally not absolutely speaking more of a hypertrophy benefit. So there are mm -hmm. different tools that you can use to accomplish different ends. Absolutely. Yeah. Well mm -hmm. said. Well, that, that program right there is priceless. Like when that PDF is out, I want to share it with my listeners. They're going to get so much benefit out of that. That's it's, 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 it's not even a PDF. It's a one page Google doc. So Sean, I'll send you the link and you can Sweet. just, it's a shareable link and anybody can, can have it. Yep. Oh, wonderful. That's, that's going to help a lot of people and for free. I mean, how generous is that, Pat? I, I appreciate that. Fitness Santa. Fitness Santa. <laughs> Two of them here. <laughs> yeah, Santa, yeah, yeah. Fitness Santa in, in mid-June. So I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. But no, I know I, I hope that's helpful because it's, you know, you know me. I'm a principles guy. I love mm -hmm. focusing on principles because if you can get the stuff figured out at the bottom, then it, it helps downstream. You can you can think your way through specific issues. But at the same time, we need we need specifics, right? We can't mm -hmm. just like do principles, right? It's principles applied. We want principles applied. So I think um, we've had, you know, a fair number of conversations on principles that hopefully now this, these specifics give some kind of like concrete context of how to incorporate that. Well, they do. You know, the thing about this, this is our sixth podcast together. And I think this is the most we've done about specific fitness. 
actually, mm. you know, yes. which is pretty yeah. funny when you think about it because you're very well known for being like the kettlebell guru. So, yeah, I mean, like if you go on my YouTube, you'll find almost only specifics. It's just workouts, mm -hmm. workouts, workouts, workouts. Mm -hmm. But if you follow my written stuff on my podcast, it's almost all principles, not yeah. as many specifics. <laughs> yeah. It's and I want, I, I want both, right? I want you to yeah. know the principles, but have the specifics, you know, but to understand why, uh, how best to apply the specifics, Absolutely. right? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a hard balance. It's a hard thing to do. And I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. Uh, sometimes I fail miserably, but oh, having these conversations do. helps. Yep. Mm -hmm. well, we all appreciate it. And it's, it's fun because the last few conversations, we've gone very deep into philosophy and some very heady topics that are always great to talk about. But now it's like, just do the double cleans, do the press, do the squat, shut up, go walk the dog. Just there you do. Yeah. Walk the dog. Right. There's some <laughs> yeah. great. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it simple. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, yeah. um, and you'll get, you'll, you'll get a lot of mileage out of a program like that. You, you really will. So I hope uh, if anybody does it and you do it for a solid two months, let's say, I would love to hear what you get out of it. I would. Absolutely. And I'm going to implement it with one of my guys, the young man I'm trained this afternoon. It, you know, as a fitness person, uh, it, yesterday I was on a podcast with a person who runs a fitness school, Kips, and uh, you know, each state, each city has a different regulations, and things are some some things are opening up here in Denver. Uh, we're allowed to do um, twenty five percent capacity in our gym. And it's the first time oh, I've been cool. in my gym in three months. I went Wednesday. We had a group meeting to discuss what safe parameters look like, mm -hmm. and uh, it was nice to see my colleagues and the gym owner. Yeah. So yeah, today be my first time training in a gym in three months. Good, good. Yeah. I mean, so Wisconsin, it was a source of a controversy a number of weeks ago, mm -hmm. but it seems to have worked out because we opened up. And life is not completely back to normal here. I mean, most, again, I think people kind of jump the gun and be like, those hooligan Wisconsinites, they just, they don't know what they're doing. But the truth is, is even when the Supreme Court reversed the governor's order, it's like the vast majority of businesses did not open right away. And when they right. did open, they, they reopened with very sensible procedures, right? Yes. So things are open here, but I have not been, and I've been out and about, you know, uh, a decent amount, but uh, it's not, it's not like before it was, you know, before the I shutdown so. at all, you know, yeah. almost all businesses have, you know, especially restaurants, like, it's kind of weird to see you go in and like everything's really spaced out and super mm -hmm. procedural right yeah. um so it, which is good like we want to see people taking responsible measures mm -hmm. and it seems like it's 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 worked it's been fine in wisconsin mm -hmm. so well, i'm glad to hear that that you know it's different for everybody in every location and different um you know specifics um for us we're you know like i said six feet apart i'm gonna be wearing a mask um you know, that's the guidelines for Denver County. And um, we have a thermometer so we can take temperatures. Uh, we have a new waiver. Um, but overall, everybody's easing into it, right? And there's a lot of yep. the population that doesn't want to come back, understandably, because they are older, more susceptible. Yep. Mm -hmm. more, and they should be more cautious. And so for them, you know, virtual help. Um, I've met some people in a park. I, I mean, I've got all the gear on, you know, so I go to a park and hang a T-Rex and bring some kettlebells and awesome. sunshine. Yeah, I love it. I, I would prefer mm -hmm. to train out all, outside all the time, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't like being indoors. But, uh, yeah, well, no, I, there's, so that wouldn't work in Wisconsin for about eight months, but when we can oh, yeah. do it at Wisconsin, it's, it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Is there a lot of humanity up where you are? A what? Humidity? Do you have a lot of humidity up there? Um, no, not too bad. Uh, okay. So coming from where I was in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is, I don't think people appreciate how 
terrible of a state that is to live in weather-wise because it gets it gets pretty br- it gets pretty brutal winters. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the I I have experienced worse winters in Pennsylvania than I have in Wisconsin. I've lived in both states for about an equal number of years of my life, and and I've been more haunted by the the winters in, in Pennsylvania. But Pennsylvania also has exceedingly brutal summers because you get very hot days, you know, mm-hmm. 90s, but also massive humidity too. Yeah. So it's not like a dry heat in Pennsylvania. So, you know, and the old gym, uh, Dragon Gym, which uh, my, my buddy Sam owns, which was my home base for years, it was notorious because it was never comfortable um, <laughs> because it's like an old warehouse. So it's either like freezing cold mm-hmm. or it's just deathly hot and humid. There's no, there's almost no in between. Um, Wisconsin is you know we have the winters and they're not too far off from the stereotypes of course it depends where you're at northern wisconsin is is quite different than where i am in southern wisconsin Mm -hmm. um but you know winters they're wisconsin winters there's no doubt about it but the summers here are just pristine uh we get beautiful weather super green not a lot of humidity you know regular little you know not not too many scorching hot days but like good enough heat that you can go swimming so it's just for me it's it's like it's the perfect summer climate I'm glad to hear that. I, mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in Omaha and that weather, like, like Pennsylvania, it's humid. And when it's cold, it's cold and it stays cold for a long time. When it's hot, it's hot. It stays hot for a very long time here in Colorado. It's so moderate. Like, even though we had a blizzard Monday, Tuesday, we're wearing shorts again. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, that's, see, it's that's more moderate. my style. That's more my style. <laughs> yeah. I really struggled with the weather in Pennsylvania and there's a lot of beauty in Pennsylvania. Don't get me wrong, but the weather made it, made it difficult. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet. Plus, probably have less bugs. I mean, we don't have hardly any bugs out here. Yeah, what do we have here in Wisconsin? Um, we actually, it's not too dissimilar from PA in terms of the really annoying bugs. I'm pretty sure that both Wisconsin and PA are. I, I don't know which one's higher, but I'm pretty sure both are in the top three states for ticks and Lyme disease. Ooh, bad enough. Yeah. So, so like the 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 most annoying ones are pretty bad in both states. Yeah, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, like today is out walking the dogs and um, I saw dragonflies and a yellow butterfly. That's way to deal with. That's really that's nice. Stuff. Yeah, really. Yeah, I'm I'm all about those like woolly bear caterpillars, the nice mm-hmm. ones. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the nice ones. I like that. Well, um, <laughs> fuzzy, fuzzy. That's good stuff. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of kid friendly stuff, um, what are you working on outside of fitness? I know you have a lot of writing projects and you're very creative. You're cooking up anything over there? Yeah, I am. I'm working on a, on a philosophical project. Um, so my master's program focused a lot on what's called natural theology and metaphysics, which is, um, what's the best way to explain it? Kind of focusing on the ultimate foundation of things um, in the order of being. So a lot of focusing on what can we know ultimately about reality as a whole from the perspective of reason alone. So my work focuses a lot on arguments for the existence of God and the attributes of God. So I've been taking a lot of that and trying to put it into a more popular level book of how to think about God, not from the standpoint of any religion, but from the standpoint of reason of how can we, yeah, so how can we deploy various philosophical arguments, not only to know that God exists and know with a very, uh, definitive certitude, which I think we can, but also know something about what God is like. You know, uh, how can we know that God is transcendent, immaterial, pure actuality, omnipotent, omniscient, uh, unique, um, and absolutely simple, ontologically simple, things like that. So that was a big area of my focus. And I've been really trying to not let that just kind of become a stale 
academic project and be like, I want to, I want to get this forward in more of a popular way um, for reasons that I think are culturally important. Um, you know, there's just a lot of just horribly crude conversations and debate uh, about religion out there, and I want to, I want to try and cut through that and give a, a much more calculated and I think uh, sophisticated perspective from the angle of philosophy, which then may well extend to religion, but I'm not starting from a religious perspective. So that's been my project for the past six or seven months. And like any project, it's exceedingly tedious. And I have no idea when it will be, when it will actually be finished. And also a far cry from fitness. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fantastic. What a huge concept too, to tackle mm -hmm. and much needed. Yeah. And I'm drawing upon, you know, a lot of both uh, traditional great thinkers, Plato, Aristotle, Augustine, Boethius, Aquinas, but, you know, more, you know, contemporary thinkers and um, as well. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to create a, a synthesis and a harmony. Uh, and, I'm, and the difficult thing for me, Sean, this is always a difficult thing, right, is to make something both accessible but robust, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's a hard balance to strike in, in almost anything because you want it to be for a general audience, but you don't want to dilute anything either. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's tough. We'll see. I don't want to make any promises, but <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I've been working on. Yep. <laughs> yep. That would keep anybody busy for a long time. Uh, yeah. I like what you said. Like, you don't, yeah, you don't want to make it so, we want to make it accessible, obviously, but you don't make it so mm -hmm. simple that you, you take away from the, the depth of it for sure. Yeah. And, you know, there's always going to be a trade-off in some regards. Mm -hmm. So my trade-off would probably be a, in the direction of, of rigor. I, I, my trade-off will be I want it to be more rigorous and accessible. So I kind of start off from the beginning saying, like, look, there's going to be some parts here that are just going to be challenging, especially if you're new to philosophy. But mm -hmm. roll up your sleeves and we'll get to work and I'll, I'll help you through it. Oh, I, I, I dig it. I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to, to getting to that. Well, like you, I'm working on something not as profound as that, but um, so I'm working on a Father's Day gear guide. We do this every year and um, we have a bunch of fathers on the team. And so we get a few of their favorite items and stuff. And like you, I don't want to just do like what everybody else does, a top 10 list of Father's Day gift guides. You know, it's like one paragraph, like that, that has no depth. It's just like a hit list of affiliate <laughs> links, you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> so <laughs> what I'm doing is going through and having a, a, a list, sure, but then a, a, a link to the full video review from the person using that gear in the elements. So you have- Oh, like, cool. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so like, are you curious about how this Patagonia Houdini fits and looks on our trail runner? There's Drew, boom. And so mm -hmm. we have, you know, all these, these men um, and, you know, fathers that are 65 years old. He was Welsh guy, Will Rickers, fantastic. He's got this awesome accent and his, him and his son like camping tarps on top of mountains. So you get all these different people, a lot of depth to it, right? Not just like go buy this um, vodka or this, you know, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's an awesome idea. I love that. Cool, man. I appreciate it. I'll send you over a copy. I'm, I'll be done by probably by Sunday. So yeah, please do. I'd, I would enjoy that very much. Um, I had a thought about that and it just flung right out of my head sean so apologies <laughs> no worries i was thinking about you actually in the guy like what would pat flynn benefit from there was a few things uh patagonia provisions make some really good organic food um mm. so that's always nice but they also make a beer a gluten-free beer i'm interested it is tasty mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah you. you know there's some there's you know gluten-free beers have definitely gotten better in the past mm -hmm. my entire life <laughs> that i've been drinking beer 
Uh, I mean, I remember the first couple I had, I forget the brand. They were so awful that I, I almost okay. never tried one again. But then I tried some other ones like, oh, okay, all right, there's potential here. And now there's a few that I'm like, oh, these are, these are actually pretty good. They have come a long ways for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of funny. I get sent a lot of, a lot of different kind of things to test. And this last year, I've been sent more vodka, whiskey, scotch, and beer than ever. It is pretty awesome problem to have. So, um, yeah. Yeah, what's the old, I saw a sign in a restaurant the other day that I was, I was, I was thinking about stopping drinking, but then I wondered why I would take advice from a drunk person. Uh, like I, th- it. I thought that was cute. Mm-hmm. I, I'll have to use that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot of good ones too. I, I think Homer's got a great one too. Um, to alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of the problems. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Proof that God loves us is the classic one yep, as well. Ben Franklin. Good stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I wonder, I wonder that always makes me curious. Cause like, there's always people that have all these quotes attributed to them, but then you like do some digging and you're like, they never actually said that. And right. like, now that might be true. And I, I don't know, I haven't looked that one up, but it's always seems to be people like Franklin Einstein and Mark Twain. And mm-hmm. you vet some of these quotes out and then it turns out now they, they never actually said that. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. There's this funny yeah. meme I used to use all the time. I had a picture of Abraham Lincoln and mm-hmm. it's like, don't believe everything you read on the internet. So, yeah. By Abraham Lincoln. By, yeah. by Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Quote. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting too, because like, you know, you have a very big um, population of people you serve and we have a pretty mm-hmm. good audience too. And, you know, we talked about this last week about the power of media, right? Like mm-hmm. you and I are doing our best to portray things as accurately, honestly, and with love and, and all the all the proper proper ways of approaching things but media you can do whatever you want especially with the internet anybody can publish anything and so we might share it and then there's misinformation it's crazy yeah so i mean there's so many issues there um one i think is definitely cultural i mean the whole idea of virtue has just gone out the window Mm -hmm. uh so it's just kind of a shame that we even have to rely so much on kind of external forces or even the idea that we would would need, you know, such a kind of imposing external force just to keep people from sharing nonsense. It's like people right. should have an internal obligation <laughs> to feel like they don't, shouldn't share nonsense, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so that's you know that's 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 a tough thing. I, and I've been thinking about that of what you know the possible solutions are there. And then there's the whole debate with social media, of, and this is recently political debate is like, should they be considered platforms or publishers? Right. And then in the law and then in the laws don't help because you have like clauses like good faith clauses. And it's like you can ex- those are like accordion terms. Right. It could mean <laughs> yeah. virtually anything you want or nothing at all. And it's like, how do we how do we adjudicate this? Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I always but I'm with you. I mean, I think it starts by recognizing that we have a moral obligation to 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 seek out what is actually true and to report what is true. Mm-hmm. And if we're not sure about things to be upfront and honest about that and say, Hey, you know, here's kind of where I'm leaning. I think this might be true. Here's a working hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, I could be wrong. I'm not entirely, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's yeah, nothing wrong with, with, with hedging your, your claims and saying, this is what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where I'm at. You know, that's not, that's not untrue at all, but yeah, that's, that is a, I forget what your original point was, but <laughs> <laughs> what was the, uh, uh, the don't put bad information out there, people like vet it. Right. So I just hit publish on an, on an article, um, on my site of, of seven logical fallacies to be aware of before you get into an online debate. 
Um, so that was my little contribution to, to this. Right? I'll have to check that out. You know, mm-hmm. like you run a very big Facebook group and we have, every time I talk to you, it's like 500 new people. I think we're at 9,000 people for a backcountry ski group. So every day, all day long, we're going through trying to like go through people's information they're putting out there. Is this accurate? What's their angle? You know, and trying to, oh, it's, it's hard. It's very hard. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the, the benefit, I guess, of at least studying logic. And I, I make that at the beginning is first off to understand that no political party or ideology has a monopoly on bad thinking. It happens all over <laughs> yeah. the place. And, and I, actually, I actually try to use examples from both sides of the political spectrum for each, for each fallacy. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just to, just to prove the, prove the point that, you know, it's not, it's not monopolized by, by any one side, but that logic is, uh, one of my favorite, uh, quotes from Hemingway is that, you know, the greatest gift of any writer is having a kind of built in shockproof bullshit detector. <laughs> and, and you develop that by being trained in logic, right? Mm-hmm. By understanding the structure of thought and uh, studying both formal and informal fallacies. So I, I just tried to identify seven that have seemed especially common as of late, again, on, on both sides. And just, you know, for the sake of, um, of two things, both kind of like offensively and defensively, in the sense that if you're making arguments, keep these in mind, so you don't make the mistake, right? But also, if you're being attacked or assaulted, right, to make sure that you're not being, you know, manipulated or taken advantage of or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the article is on the website if anybody's interested in I'm taking gonna, a peek. I'll, I'll put it in the, the show notes to share that for sure. Mm-hmm. Anything to help people, they need some help. Indeed. Yeah. And we are living in times where political rhetoric is cheap, emotional manipulation is easy, and mm-hmm. and any type of curriculum in thinking and logic is virtually has virtually vanished from oh, school. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, we're doing our best over here. I mean, we have yeah, I see very intelligent people just getting sucked into social media and news cycles and just getting demoralized and it's it's painful. So yeah. 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 So hats off to you for putting that together. I'm going to share that with our audience and yeah. hopefully it helps. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's there. We'll see. <laughs> Between the workout and this, I think we're going to put people in good directions. I, I sure hope so, Sean. I really do. That's, yeah. that's our goal. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Pat, I, I always appreciate talking to you. We always cover some huge topics um, and directly actionable for our listeners and our viewers. Um, and I'm going to put links to the, the workout. That workout is legit. Like that is very well thought out. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's, I'll send you, uh, yeah, I'll send you the, um, the Google doc right after this. If you want to, if you want to be fantastic. That. Yeah. I'll put that mm-hmm. in the show notes as well as the link to your, um, the logic, uh, the seven points there. And, um, gosh, well, Pat, is there anything you want to leave the listeners with before we jump off here and get to our weekends? Be excellent to one another. I saw that there's a new bill and Ted coming out soon and I'm pumped for that. Really? Did you hear about this? Yeah, Not yeah, yet. yeah. With with Keanu, right? Yeah, there's a new Bill and Ted, no, due man. out I think next year, which is so funny because like Keanu's been like, I mean, he's like he's John Wick now. Yeah, and now he's going to go series. back to yeah, now he's going back to Bill and Ted. Like, what a versatile actor that dude. Right. Is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good for him. That'd be good. Yeah. So yeah. So so be excellent to one another and and to yourself. Seek excellence. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic advice. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'll double down on that. Well, Pat, thank you for your time as always. Much love to you and your family. Um, Enjoy your time with your father-in-law. And um, if I don't see you by next Father's Day, happy Father's Day to you. Thank you, Sean. Enjoy it yourself. Will do, sir. And to you listeners out there and viewers, as always, I'm going to have all these show notes to help you out. Um, 
Pat's an awesome resource, awesome person. We'll have links to his websites. Do check him out. He is a fantastic human being. And um, much love to your families. Happy early Father's Days to you and take care.